My guest this week is Dawn Hampton, who's got a phenomenal track record in recruitment, both in terms of personal success as a top biller globally, and also in terms of building and scaling teams and businesses. And uh, Dawn spends her time now sharing what she's learned, all her experience, and working with small recruitment business owners and their teams in order to achieve the kind of success that they, they want to achieve and they can can achieve. So we're, Dawn and I are going to talk about leadership in recruitment, what's missing, what the focus needs to be more on, uh, how, do we, how do we build a learning culture. We're also going to be talking about whether if somebody turns up late for work, they should eat a load of eggs. Uh, we cover a lot of things. Enjoy it. So a very, very warm welcome to Dawn Hampton to the TRM podcast. Dawn, great to have you on. Morning, afternoon. I'm not sure what it is anymore, but yeah, hi. And I just, uh, I just, even though I know you quite well these days, I did a bit of research as I like to on my podcast guests and uh, just reminded myself the name of your business, Dawn Hampton Consulting, which uh, a little bit like the Recruitment Network is quite a simple name. Dawn Hampton, who consults. Yeah, um, yeah. So listen, you um, just just for anyone who doesn't know you, let's have the uh, life story in two minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, yeah, I know the name is rubbish, but I and I did um, oh, rubbish. I said says what it does. Well, I know, but it did drive it did drive me round the bend for a bit. But I kind of got to the point where I was like, essentially, it's me, my brain, and my experience. So you know, I went with it. Um, Two minutes, life story. I don't know. I grew up in the depths of Dagenham. So if anyone knows where that is, they'll know really where I'm from. They do do movies about Dagenham, don't they? They have, yes. Yes, they have. Um, And, um, but anyway, I I went to school. I went to university. I did a law degree. I fell into recruitment like we all did by accident. Um, And and I've obviously just been fully immersed in it for the last 22, nearly, yeah, 22 years. Um, So I I learnt my trade in um, the S3s. Um, so a lot of people will understand what sort of background I'm from. So very sort of process driven, um, very 360, very salesy. Um, I was a, was a global top biller there. So I, I just loved that so much. Um, I left and went back again. Um, I set my own business up and then I went to Faden International, which is why I spent my last gig, if you like, which I spent about nine and a half years there um, and was there throughout quite a big period of change. So probably from about 40 odd people to about maybe 1,500 when I left, I think. Um, so that was a crazy, incredible journey. Um, and then, yeah, so and now it's just little old me just sharing my my worldly knowledge, <laughs> my worldly wises to um, to the recruitment world. Um, but I just I just absolutely love it so much. You know, the, what I do is so varied every day. It's totally different. Um, and, and I just absolutely love getting to work with so many amazing people. It's brilliant. Love it. Love it. And uh, you also. Um work with us you advise 30 odd members in terms of strategy shaping implementation yeah uh, and it's absolutely fantastic have you have you part of the part of the gang the i just want to pick up on something you talked about because i'm quite interested in that when you talk about um faden and s3 obviously being process led recruiters um and you know you'll have your view about to what extent that will underpin their success 
But process in recruitment, I get excited about process because it's, you know, it's type of boring I am. But processes um, in recruitment, uh, having been uh, brought up with those very successful organizations and working with as many recruitment businesses and their leaders as you do now, is that is, is it a big gap in most recruitment businesses? Uh, uh, have they got a way to go or is it just... Yeah, I think there is. I mean, I'm very process driven. I like to know what I need to do, what you know, and and a rough sort of order. I need to know what I need to achieve because even you know, 20 years in, when I was still hands on, if I had asked, um, if my team, you know, because I would always do, I'd never ask my team to do anything I wouldn't do myself. So I would still qualify a candidate, go on client meetings, speak to clients, win new business. And I would never do that still now without having a structure to follow because my brain is like going 100 miles an hour. Do you know what I mean? So I used to like, I'm very process driven, very disciplined. So I wouldn't get off that phone call until I knew I'd had every single thing I needed to get done in that phone call. And I just feel like everybody's trying to just feel like they're just remembering it. and They've got no structure to follow. So they miss so much stuff you know and um and then I think that breaks the process down later and then things don't happen you know candidates become annoying and clients become annoying but actually it's because we didn't really probably follow the process properly and utilize that process to really get the most out of our relationships um so yeah I'm really process driven and very disciplined but I just love having that structure you know for me it's everything you know as soon as somebody complains they're struggling with something my immediate is well what have you done already mm. and then you can straight away find that there'll be loads of things that they haven't done so you know it's just a great way to to have that um to have that be able to monitor it yeah and I, I love I love scaling I, it just fascinates me how to unlock the potential of a business and scale and but but if we had if we had 20 recruitment business leaders in a room between you and me and we said does is can does consistency matter everyone would say yes and do you need robust processes to deliver consistency everyone would say yes so we know it makes sense so why why is it just the few that are brilliant to processes I think there's sometimes I think because historically as as recruitment has evolved um and I know because <laughs> I've seen it change over two decades I think we're so frightened to be like old school and KPI driven and all, but it's it has to be horrible and it has to not be a good way to work. And mm. I think we were a little bit maybe um, tiptoe around it. So I think we've lost a little bit of that. And that also then really affects accountability as well. So um, I think when people, you know, the gaps, I see people want to increase activity. Why aren't they doing BD? How can we manage performance? They're comfortable now. They're earning enough money that they don't, you know, they're maybe not super driven or, you know, they're, they're comfortable with what they've got. So how do I then get them to carry on doing deals when they're they're super comfortable? So it really affects, you know, high performance accountability consistency activity beat it literally affects everything um so i you know we we do need to probably be a bit better about it and not be frightened of mm. 
the process or or understanding KPIs to me are just is just a clear structure of what needs to be done in order to achieve deals and it allows us to diagnose what's gone wrong when we haven't it doesn't mean that we have a, a whip and we're going to start shouting at everybody you know making them eat a bucket of eggs for coming in five minutes late you know it doesn't have to be like that you know it can, it, we can do it progressively um but I think I don't know I just feel like sometimes we just we want to be kind and accepting to to the new generations of how they like to work and everything and I totally understand that but I feel like sometimes we take it a bit far we're so trying to be their friend but actually people will stay in a business a little bit longer if they're friends with you or they like you but they will go eventually because they will need to fulfill their potential and they will want to be successful. And in order to be happy and have, you know, self-actualization and fulfillment and things like that, we need to be successful and feel comfortable that we're doing well. So, you know, sometimes we have to be comfortable with giving a little bit of tough love, I think. And actually people will be more appreciative of that in the long run. I'm having a lot of interesting conversations at the moment with members who are uh, recruitment business leaders who are talking about, you know, during the pandemic, we got really good at empathetic leadership. We really got much better at caring for our people, understanding them as individuals and all that. And we're having a lot of conversations recently where they're saying, actually, I think maybe I need to balance that with some slightly clearer performance expectations. Yeah. And uh, and, and which goes back to a little bit about process and the clarity of expectations. It's it, it's a uh, it's it's really interesting. I can't get out of my mind, Torn, ever since you said it, this idea, and for some reason I think you did it once, is you force-fed somebody who turned up late five minutes a load of eggs. Because you that's what is that what you just no, said? I did me? not do that. Just once. <laughs> We've all made mistakes. You did it just once. I did you? not do that. But when I started in recruitment, that was always the sort of myth of that in other brands, that's what they were doing. So we sort of joke about it, but I definitely have never done that, I promise. <laughs> I've never even thought about it. Now I'm convinced you have once. Just once. But, no, no, no. Well, I promise it wasn't me, but we did. That was the myth that went around that that's what they did in the other brand. I don't know if it ever happened or not. Yeah. I asked you a question the other day and I said to you, what are you getting excited about when you when you think about the recruitment businesses you're working with and getting really excited about? And what is it? And you said a number of great things. But one of, one of the things you, you talked about, something you talk about, which is standards again. So, which goes back to this kind of clarity of expectations. So is that, yeah. again, from a, from a leadership point of view, is that just something we're not tight enough or clear enough about? Yeah, I think I think it's so important to set those standards early. And I think we want to sort of bring people in gently um, because we know it's, it's a hard at the beginning and it's hard to be 360 and do everything at first. And I think there are ways to bring people in. But I think that we... Even at the very beginning, when people have very little skills yet or experience, they can still really add value and contribute to the business and contribute mm. from a profit perspective and to add value. And I think that if we set those standards early and they are engaged with that and what that means, then I feel like we'll, you'll get it will be easier for you in the long run to move them forward. Um, but I definitely think in terms of standards and expectations and, and accountability of what is your job description? What is your basic salary paid for? It's all around, you know, all they're tempting them to do stuff with commission, but they're still paid a basic salary, right? So should we not expect a certain level of, you know, contribution based on that? And I think, 
you know, making sure they really truly understand what their job description is and what they're uh, accountable for, what they're responsible for, I think Mm. is really important. And setting those standards early will just make life so much easier um, later, because when you're having to change and suddenly ask people to do more, it's hard. Yeah, I I just had a call earlier with, with 15 recruitment CEOs and we were talking about how to build a learning culture. Um, it's one of my favorite topics, but the, um, we got onto job descriptions actually. And, and, uh, I get, I get really excited about job descriptions, which as I get excited about plans and process and all that stuff, but most people don't get excited about, but the, I don't know how you set expectations if you haven't mapped out truly what you're looking for. So that people, so so my question to them was on your job, job description, if you want a learning culture, have you got something that maps out the responsibility for your personal development yeah. if you haven't if you haven't maybe we're not setting the standard or setting the expectation yeah they're really cool tools aren't they they're really simple and we all know them and we don't get excited about them but yeah us. i think the job description is a funny thing because you get a bit bored and it's like oh it's just obvious what their job is but it's not really i'd say for example i think so, you know lots of businesses have moved away from 360 and they're doing delivery research bd account management whatever that that part of the role is that that people are taking ownership for but what I'm finding a lot when I'm talking to people is that their delivery or researchers are not contributing information critical information that they should be sharing with the account managers and the BD people okay so they're just like oh they're just delivery you know they're just qualifying candidates but from my perspective, I'm like, how can you qualify a candidate properly, but not know what's going on in the world? And they're mar- they're, and they talk to them about the market and understand what's going on with them. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. if you're qualifying them and they're going for a role, you need to know if they're interviewing elsewhere. Otherwise, how can you manage that close or manage that process with them? Make sure that they run at the same time, you know, whatever. But they're not generating that information. So now mm. there's a big BD issue because it's like, well, who's supposed to be BDing? How are we getting the information to BD? Um, and that is becoming a bit of an issue. And I feel like we've sort of we've popped them in delivery and they're just qualifying candidates because the market's been so abundantly full of jobs. But now if things change slightly, we need to be anticipating that change and thinking about, well, how can we be making sure that everybody's adding value and contributing? We cannot function without information from candidates. Um, And I feel like there's there's a bit bit of that missing at the moment. And I think if everybody maybe looked at that, they could probably really change things quite quickly. Yeah, no, which goes back to your process, doesn't it, and your standards. Um, look, can I go big picture? Because as, as well as as mentoring business leaders and businesses, and as well as the work you do with us, um, you do a lot of leadership stuff in terms of running leadership programs and developing leaders. I'm 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 just really interested when you and obviously having come out of the back your background, you suddenly got all sorts of different businesses that you're getting into and getting under the bonnet of what are some of the big leadership gaps that you're you, you keep on coming across um i think that there is with on the leadership side i think aside from managing performance and and being able to increase activity and putting that to the side i think having those difficult conversations people mm. often struggle with they don't know how to broach it or, or how sometimes to do that um, I think often people, leaders, don't realise the impact that they have over a wide number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think so that that's really interesting. Um, I think as leaders, we often aren't really planning or anticipating change and adapting and acting on that. We seem to be living day to day because we're so busy and it's so full on that we forget that actually as leaders, it's our job to create strategy and think about what's the journey and then making sure that we connect the journey and the purpose to the day to day because that's how you get people engaged and get them to to be involved and and want to move forward with you. Um, So I guess those are probably a few of the bits and bobs that I I find. Some on my programs, I think the bit people, you know, I'm very fortunate people love it. They love the content and they get so much value from it, which is amazing. We always do like a little bit of leadership therapy at the beginning, um, which is so great. And it just, you know, get everybody talking about what their, you know, what their challenges are and, and but what's going well and sharing those experiences is massive. Um, and often these leaders don't get the chance to do that unless they're in that in my program. Um, and and it's just huge so hugely beneficial for them um so yeah probably those are the things that I'm I'll come across a lot there's a lot but yeah Yeah. (laughs) one of the interesting observations is I I had um I was running a a TRN senior leadership summit the other day I had 30 people who were all managers of managers and they all we were just having a half day out and I brought in a really cool speaker called Kate Marshall um and um, I asked people who's in the biggest job they've ever had, and, and and everyone except one said, I've never been in a job with this much responsibility, as in this size of team or this <laughs> this PL responsibility. And uh, it seems to be something because it's an industry where not everybody has a career plan. You kind of stumble into recruitment and then you grow, and then there's opportunities if you're with the right the right company. So everybody is 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 sort of stumbling a little bit in terms of I'm in a bigger job than I've ever had I'm going to find a way to do it and not everybody will invest in whether it's the TRNs or your programs or or, or whatever yeah Um, which which always interests me the do you um when you think about the leadership that uh including forcing people to eat eggs if they're late um the leadership that you encountered um as you were heading building your career to what you see now what are the sort of big changes that the 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 uh, exist and that we should be mm. making sure we're doing I think we are I so think how, we has are... it sort of evolved in the 20, 20 years you've been in, in, in the game? it definitely has I think we're more aware of the fact that we need to have leadership skills and we need to be better than just oh you're really good at billing come and teach these people how to bill or make money because that isn't what a leader is that's just that's the trainer that's a you yeah. know robotically repeating a process and teaching somebody yeah. a process that's yeah. not really what leadership is about is it so for me I think historically we've been really bad uh you know all of the training was focused on recruitment and not on leadership um and we have got better at that and loads of people are now investing and realizing how important that is and actually when they do they see the results you know so much better because engagement motivation is better you've let better retention better profitability all of those things um so we are definitely better um i think that we still need to understand that we can lead well and achieve results without being 
brutal leader you know an old school leader mm. and I think I think we've, we're fight, trying to find that balance I feel like that's where we're at at the moment and people are trying to find that that balance mm. um I think that there's a lot of coaching that needs to be done because we need to understand how we can help people achieve their potential um and we need to make sure that we are making sure that the people that we've got in our teams are really progressing, moving forward, but but are contributing and adding value. We're not just mm. got numbers for numbers sakes. Mm. Yeah. The, you, you mentioned coaching. I've, I, I have this, uh, this theory based on no research, uh, but just working with hundreds of recruitment business leaders that the single number one skill that we need our management teams to excel at is coaching. Yeah. Um, whether it's around because we've shifted more from the uh, more to a bit of an out, output based management, therefore we need to coach in terms of personalization of KPIs. What do you need to get better at? That's coaching. In terms of personalization of the employee experience, that's all about coaching. Uh, people will say the next generation respond better to coaching. Um, is that again and i know you do a lot of that and i do a lot of that but it, but it, is that something you, do you agree with that that has become just the such a critical skill and yeah. too, too many people haven't got it yeah definitely i mean we we you know in the, in the programs i do we really focus on situational leadership so when should we be you know directing when should we be coaching when should we be mentoring when should we be delegating because all of those things are really tricky a to know when to do which to who um, so you need to be able to have them at your disposal and then change over the course of a day yeah. with all of the different people that you've got. The difference between mentoring and coaching, of course, there's a lot of, you know, we talk about that a lot. Um, you know, delegated, we move from doing to managing to leading. You know, sometimes that transition is really difficult and we've got to learn to let go of stuff. Mm. Um, but we don't like to because if we're good at something, we don't want to let go of that because we feel like we're then out of control. Um, so I think that situational leadership as a whole for me is really important. And coaching is is one quarter of that. Yeah. What what um what made you as good as you were as a um recruiter and as a recruitment leader um hmm. I suppose I always like the things that I always lived by was really understanding the balance between volume skills and attitude and then discipline okay and then the other thing was really I guess just making sure that everybody knew what the journey was, what our identity was, what we were trying to achieve and connecting their personal journey with our journey together mm. um, for me was re was really, really important. And I think that that worked well and it resonated with people. Mm. OK, interesting. And, you know, we're, we're obviously there's a bit of a different market in there. There's a bit of softening in various places. I was with a. I was with Simon Lafosse um, the the other day, and he was talking about it being a shallow recession that, that we're in. Um, very unfazed by it, but you know, as, a, as an experienced business leader with a, a phenomenal company, he was just talking about how he was evolving, evolving appropriately to make sure that um, that the that the recession, shallow though it will be, will will be the platform that it can be if we're if we're if we're good at what we do. Um, what, what are you seeing? Um, in, among your client base around what the the most progressive the, the, the those who look a bit further forward are doing particularly mm. well 
to to equip themselves for 2023 whatever that brings um i think i think this is really important and those who are anticipating change what that change is we don't know okay but if we can prepare for any kind of change and be adaptable and make sure that we're we're anticipating and preparing then we can manage whatever happens and you know I, I feel like there is subtle changes in the market I haven't seen anyone experiencing anything drastic um but there is definitely subtle changes mm. um so I, I think in terms of I talk a lot about managing change and there's a great book called, called who moved my cheese so I talk a lot about are you smelling your cheese which sounds really weird um but there is a there is a brilliant book on it Spence Johnson but it is about making sure you know what have you got and how are you protecting it yeah. And how are you making sure that it doesn't turn stale? Do you know what I mean? There's lots of cheese metaphors around this, <laughs> weirdly, but it does work. Um, so for me, I think it's, you know, those who are making sure that they're preparing, you know, they should have already been preparing, but if they haven't, they need to be preparing now. And that means upskilling their teams to become more self-sufficient, you know. So I know if we're going to split things between delivery and BD, that's fine. But how, how, again, are people contributing and how are we going to, you know, be able to be more capable of generating business? Because we're at the moment, we've had an amazing market. So many people have joined the industry um, and all they have to do was literally go out and pick jobs off trees. Um, And now they're going to have to dig a bit deeper. And I think we just need to be really preparing our staff for resilience, you Mm. know, be resilient and to learn the skills that they need in order to be self-sufficient. I think that that's absolutely crucial. Yeah. So it is that ability to to look above the uh, look above the parapet from time to time and say where do we need to get to, because it's the the recent poll that we did around how much match fit is your BD, and and uh, where are the gaps? You know, yeah. is your strategy fit for purpose? Is is your culture and the mindset you got in the business right? Is the have you got the appropriate skill set in place? And the, you know, there are a lot of people who, who are trying to get ahead of the game. Um, but but maybe responding. Why is recruitment um, typically short term focused? I think because we um, because the sales cycle, we tend to typically think about month to month, quarter yeah. to quarter, yeah. um, and then it gets to the end of the year, and then it's like, all oh, right, better sort out the ASM and better better look at what we've done and what we're going to do next year, quick, quick, quick. And yeah. we're so busy and it's like we we sort of we rush it a little bit because we haven't really been thinking about it. So we try to think about it in a really short space of time, review and plan. Mm. But we don't give ourselves that long to do it. Whereas I think if we were doing it slowly but surely over the course of a year, we would be more aware of what's happening. We wouldn't get to the end of the year and go, oh, mm. didn't hit that, didn't hit budget then or, do, yeah. you know, it's not going to creep up on us. Um, so, yeah, I think I think probably that. Which makes it feel like a bit of a re- reactionary change. Yes, yeah, um, so I think the cycle is really why we're a bit short term um, yeah. because we're just in amongst it all the time, and we're looking at what are the current indicators, what's going on right now. Yeah. Opposed to, we're not. I don't think we're that good at forecasting. I think we think we can't really forecast. So I, I spend a lot of time talking to you know junior managers and you know about how can they forecast. They're like, but it's like. You know, sticking my finger in the air, going, "Well, what might happen might happen," 
But actually, we we do need to be better at that. And we should have a better handle on our businesses in order to understand, okay, you might not have those jobs yet, but where are they going to come from? What's the like, what's the activity looking like? Is are they likely to come in? We don't know where they're coming from yet. No, but we should know whether they're going to come around or not. So Mm. I think in terms of forecasting, we're not very good at that. I don't think we teach people how to forecast. And if we did, that would probably give us a much better indication of what's going on in our business because people mm. are aware of it. I feel like sometimes they don't think they have control over that. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. OK. Anything else that, that you're particularly thinking about at the moment when it comes to 2023? Anything uh, you're obsessing about with your with your clients? Mm. I think at the moment, it's just really about making sure they're BD fit. I think, you know, that is just such a big focus. And then I think about managing those expectation changes, because Mm. that is going to happen. Mm. (laughs) Um, Because a lot of people are not going to be used to having, they're doing half, they've been doing half the job for a long time. So they're going to be thinking, why am I doing two jobs now? And it's like, well, you're not doing two jobs. It's just only been doing half of the job. So I think managing those expectations and, you know, getting them bought into, to, how you know what's going to happen and and that it's all going to be okay mm-hmm. as long as we're adaptable and we're flexible and we just do what we need to do i mean i've been through some pretty hefty economic climate changes over the last 20 years i don't know if it's following me or the markets that i worked in but you know i was working in finance when we had the financial crisis i was working in oil and gas when we had the oil and gas crisis um so yeah i i you know i'm quite comfortable with with that you know it never panics me because i know that i've survived and been super successful mm. despite economic conditions mm. um so i think we just need to be able to reassure people but give them the right skills in order to manage um whatever may or may not happen yeah now that is it. I, I'm, I'm sure we've become more resilient as business leaders having navigated our way through the the last three years and uh, yeah, but a lot of those leaders they've never experienced that yet so it's yeah. their first time yeah true yeah yeah no absolutely love it all right dawn final final question just give us one to watch one recruitment business that you're thinking oh you're going places or i'm loving what you're doing and that's very unfair because i know you've got no favorites i can't i can't children no i can't i don't know it's too that's too hard they're all brilliant. They've all got things they need to work on, but they're all brilliant in their own ways. Um, and they're so different. Um, I am pleading the fifth. Don't hate me. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, brilliant. Dawn, if if people want to work with you, where do they get hold of you? Bit of LinkedIn? Dawn yeah, find me on LinkedIn, dawnhampton.com. It's pretty nice and easy. So I do leadership development, coaching, mentoring, training consulting all sorts of different things but they're all interlinked so uh but yeah i love it and if anybody wants to talk to anybody that i've worked with then i'm, I'm sure they'll be happy to do that for me because they're all lovely they're all lovely and none of them are your favorites and none of them are <laughs> no, i love it dawn we uh i think we've been working together a year now or so yeah i know it's my my work anniversary G. <laughs> i knew that i knew that <laughs> <laughs> um no it's been it's been brilliant and the feedback about you is always is superb so um love it um have a good run into christmas and i'll see you in a couple of weeks yes looking forward to it see ya right, see you later bye <laughs> <laughs>